Rain feels trapped in the dead-end skyport Ashbury. An aching sense of loss and a medallion with a mysterious inscription are the only clues she has to her past. When airship pilot Solomon Black brings the 201st Airborne down on her shop, she is left with no choice but to join him on a journey to recover what she has forgotten. But Solomon has his own secrets. He will do anything to keep her from remembering the truth, even if it means his worst fears will be realized. This week, A Glint of Mischief presents Black Recluse, a steampunk adventure by Anna Bowman. Hello, I'm Judah Lamy. Welcome to A Glint of Mischief a weekly podcast where you get to preview some of the great indie books out there. Each episode is the reading of the first chapter of an independently published book, available to buy right now. This week's episode is sponsored by the Writer's Wardrobe Podcast. What is the Writer's Wardrobe? Well, I figured the best way to explain it would be to have a character from that podcast come on this podcast. So, your name is Barnabas, yes? Yes! Now, before you explain about your podcast, what is your primary job on the podcast? I'm the censor man. Meaning? I censor out all the bad words. Got it. Okay, now, what is The Writer's Wardrobe all about? It is a podcast by Loomis Lutnack, wherein he... Son of a... Ha! You're pretty good at that. I wasn't really expecting that. Like I was saying... It is a podcast where Loomis interviews characters from his stories. Sounds like my kind of bad. Why are you doing this to me? I thought it was my day off. Just keeping you on your toes. Are there guests on the writer's wardrobe? Yes, every three to five weeks he interviews an author from the writing community, as well as one of their characters. Sometimes just the characters show up, and sometimes just the authors. Sometimes neither shows up. But the point is, he intends to interview the author. Well, thank you for stopping by on your day off, you bad Ah, oh, damn you, Glint! Oh, f- I have to get out of here. This is the worst day off ever. Well, folks, that was Barnabas. If you want to hear more about him, go check out The Writer's Wardrobe. There's a link in the show notes. Now let's get to the reason we're all here. Yes? Captain Black was not having a good day. The saloon's working girls wanted him to buy services at Racket Wrath. His throat constricted at the thought of it. God knows what I'd come away with, he thought. Sorry, I have an urgent meeting, he told the smoky-eyed woman, straining his eyes towards the doorway in search of his first mate. Ah, come on, Captain Black. No time for fun. She gave him a heavy-lidded wink, pursing deep red lips towards his face. Sadly, no, he said, ducking beneath her grasp. He stood, shoving his sweat-stained cap on his head. There he is now. Next time. He blew her a kiss, stifled a gag, and hurried in an almost desperate pace to meet the man at the door. About damn time, Will, he said, taking his cap off to run a hand through his coal-black hair. 
Will, a head taller than Solomon, glanced over his shoulder into the saloon. A group of women wearing low-cut blouses and hiked skirts waved at him. He looked back at his captain. Sorry, didn't realize that this was something you couldn't handle. Solomon lit a cigarette, his fingers shaking as he struck the lighter multiple times before returning it to the pocket of his navy overcoat. They are becoming more insistent. One even offered herself for free, he shuddered. And no useful knowledge about the airman's movements for all my trouble either. It was becoming more difficult to weasel his way out of relations with the unsavory barwomen. There had to be a better way to get information besides talking with them. He pulled his cap down over his eyes as he started to walk away from the dingy saloon at a hurried pace. Neon lights flickered in the window of a closed shop, advertising everything from solar pocket watches to lightweight dusters imported from the continent Argos. Solomon casually sidled up to the wall of a building where wanted posters were pasted up for passerbys to see. Wanted. Black recluse. For crimes against the coalition. The faded words were barely legible and were followed by an even less discernible drawing of a man dressed in black, a mask over his face. Tearing it down, Solomon balled the poster up and threw it into a water fountain as he passed by. Running a finger under the leather eye patch over his left eye, Will gave him a sideways glance. Solomon blew out a puff of cigarette smoke, looking straight ahead. Newsprints were not popular here anymore. If anyone cared to know the current events elsewhere, they could view it on the moving screen in the town center. Most people in Racketrath were not concerned about whatever the Coalition had to say these days, especially if it was old news. Today, there was the usual small crowd of people, looking in shop windows and paying little heed to the propaganda that sounded overhead. Solomon would have walked straight through and on his way to the docks, but he heard a familiar voice on the viewing screen. Anyone else might have thought it a deep, assured tone, a pleasant voice. Solomon, however, froze in place, feeling cold as his eyes were drawn involuntarily to look on the face of Stephen Lafrost, governor of the Plain City, Corsica. Our citizens are safer today, thanks to the fine men and women of our 201st Airborne. Lafrost said through the moving screen, a banner ran across the bottom of the screen, saying, Live coverage, public execution of war criminal Stanley Simonson. The screen split to show a view of the unfortunate Simonson. He wore the green uniform of the insurgents and was tied by either arm to posts on a pavilion surrounded by a crowd of spectators. His eyes were filled with terror as the savage barking of dogs interrupted the governor's speech. Governor LaFrost suffered the loss of his own daughter six years ago when the war came to a close. The banner came across again. Solomon frowned. They made it out like the man was some sort of tragic hero when he was a sadistic, calculating bastard. One spectator checked his watch while a lady fanned herself in the sun. Six years that was how long Simonson must have been a prisoner, 
unless he was recently caught. Either way, that crisp uniform hid details of lengthy torture that always preceded Lafrost's condemnation. It would soon be torn and bloody when the dogs were released to carry out the final sentence. Solomon tensed. Screams flooded his mind and blood soaked the cold stone of the pavilion. Even though the governor had not yet given the word to release the dogs, a hand gripped his shoulder and he jerked, ready to draw the revolver hidden away under his coat. It was Will. Solomon relaxed, allowing his friend to maneuver him away from the square. Yeah. Saul cast a hateful look on the face of the governor and spit on the ground. Your time will come, Lafrost, Saul thought. It was more of a promise to himself than anything. Aloud, he muttered, He'd think they'd let a thing go after six damn years. Will's hand tightened on Solomon's shoulder before he let go, his brow furrowing for an instant. Jank didn't pass his flight assessment, he said, keeping close to the captain as the group of strangers walked past. Eh, well, Solomon shrugged, glad Will did not comment on the frost and shove him further down the road of painful memories. It was better to ignore it for now. I'll just manufacture him a license then, not like I did with mine. He gave Will a sly grin. Adjusting his eye patch again, Will remarked, I think you should have taken the test. We're lucky no one has noticed yours is a fake. They are looked at closer than identification cards. Why, Will, if I didn't know any better, I'd think you had an issue with my flying. You know I do, Will said, not missing a beat. Solomon pretended not to hear. The docks of Racketrath came into view. It was one of the few towns actually on the ground and not perched on a cliff or a mountain. The buildings were made of brick with roofs that collected the sun's power for electricity. In the western desert landscape, there was plenty of sun to be harnessed. Racketrath was neither respectable like the great coalition cities of to its east, or disreputable like some of the other one-horse towns scattered throughout the plains. The constant thrum of noise from radios and communication devices swelled like the rumbling of thunder. Sleek two-wheeled iron horse bikes buzzed as their riders shot through the streets, weaving around everyone on foot. Solomon glanced around, feeling like the world was pressing in on him. Sometimes it was easier to hide within the bustle and noise, but he couldn't fight the urgent need to leave. Pacing, he placed a hand in his coat pocket as he sucked on his cigarette. Among the advertisements papering the wall of the station platform, there was a prominent poster displaying a firebolt catcher, dressed in robes with all but his eyes covered. His gloved hand seized lightning from a storm cloud with a dramatic desert background. A stack of empty firebolt cores were stacked at his feet, presumably awaiting to be charged. The various sized cores were marked with the red lightning bolts of Sky Enterprises. Fly with a piece of sky. A scoffing noise escaped Solomon's lips as he rolled his eyes. What an idiotic slogan. I hope someone was fired over that, he muttered. 
Everyone that could afford the lightning-powered cells already used them. Here on the continent Lyonese, they were mainly reserved for airships and some motorized vehicles. Anything else was too expensive. People resorted to what power was available. Steam, solar, electricity, whatever was the cheapest. White lights flashed at the end of the runway. A small sky rail tilted as a gust of stale air blew across the skyport. The left wing lifted slightly as the wheels touched down and the aircraft pulled to a stop. Flaggers waved orange banners, motioning the sleek two-man craft to a halt. Further down the platform, a girl of twelve and a young man of around eighteen walked toward them. The girl was holding an ice cream in one hand and a piece of paper in the other. Saul! The girl raised her hand, waving. She ran up to him. I passed! Solomon flicked the remains of his cigarette away. Impressive, Z. He grinned as she held out the license for him to read the name from the fake paperwork he had given the administrator. I mean, Tenzin Forge? Z took a lick of her ice cream and stuffed the paper in the pocket of her baggy trousers. Good job. Will ruffled the girl's short, silky black hair. Knew you could do it. The unhappy engineer scowled his hands stuffed in his grease-stained overall pockets. "'Why so glum, Jank?' Solomon asked, motioning for Z to give him a taste of the ice cream. After one lick, he handed it back and wiped his mouth on the back of his hand. "'The legal way is overrated. You should get one like mine.' Jank scowled. "'No thanks,' he mumbled, adding louder. "'That's not what's bothering me anyway.' I can't get the fuel cell here, at least not for a reasonable damn price. He muttered something else about bastard pirates. Solomon ran his finger underneath the chain around his neck as he glanced up at the sky. Dusk in Racket Wrath was always heralded by orange and red streaks of cloud that looked like a paintbrush had been dragged across the sky. One way or another, they had to have that fuel cell. They would not survive another encounter with the 201st Airborne Division if it wasn't replaced. The transmitter on his wrist gave off a series of low beeps. He looked down as red and blue lights flashed in a series of long and short bursts. I know what you are hiding. When the message was finished, another low tone sounded. Damn that woman. Solomon rubbed the back of his neck. What's wrong? Will asked. We have to get to Ashbury once this fuel cell is settled. That damned woman knows too much. Jank stiffened, his already pale face whitening. I told you she was more trouble than she was worth. Solomon turned his collar up, wishing it would rain. The people here were too cheery for his liking. So, we don't have enough money for a fuel cell. He started down the platform toward Dock 6, where his airship was waiting. We'll just have to annex one, he said as the others hurried after him. By annex one, you mean... Will asked. Misappropriate, Ziz spoke up as she finished her ice cream. Solomon smiled over his shoulder at her proudly. That's a new one. Haven't used that yet. Z let her long sleeve slide down to her elbow. 
I don't know why you even ask, Will. You know we're always going to end up getting everything we need. Will shook his head slightly. She may be starting to fit in too much, he told Solomon. Solomon caught Z's gaze and she gave him a crooked grin. You say that like it's a bad thing. He took off his captain's cap and put it on the girl's head. You're flying this one, he said as they walked up the ramp onto his dock ship. Where to first? Chank asked, giving him a dubious look. Where else? Port Bilboa. Solomon felt his gut tighten as he said it out loud. Going there always seemed to end in a frantic, death-defying departure. A death-defying departure? Better swing over and pick up a copy of Black Recluse by Anna Bowman on Amazon and make sure they make it. Check the show notes for a link. Author of steampunk and speculative fiction, Anna enjoys writing adventure stories with airships and sarcasm. She lives in an unnamed town in South Carolina with her husband, three sons, and all of her imaginary friends. Her other hobbies include running, drinking coffee, and trying to make friends with wild animals. Thank you for taking the time to listen. I sincerely hope you enjoyed it. If you did indeed enjoy it, there are many ways for you to show your appreciation. For one, you can help us spread the word about the podcast on social media. You can find posts about the podcast at Glint of Mischief on Twitter. If you want to keep up to date on news for the podcast, there is a mailing list over on my website. You guessed it, glennamischief.com. The mailing list is also how you can find out when our submission windows are open if you are interested in getting your book on the podcast. And of course, there is always rating and reviewing the podcast on whatever platform you're listening now, and especially over on Apple Podcasts. And now, I figured it would be best to take a moment here, and instead of another bizarre shenanigan in an attempt to get some support on Kofi, I would take a moment and share with you exactly why I am panhandling in such a shameless way. First off, I really don't have much shame, and it amuses me to do so. But secondly, we here on the podcast crew have some pretty epic goals for this podcast, There are plans in the works to have semi-casted recordings with potentially even soundtracks and sound effects, turning each book promo into a mini-audio drama. A goal that needs backers and funding, thus the panhandling. So anyway, this has been a rare no-mischief look into the future. Stay tuned for next week, when I explain how your donations on Ko-fi will help save the life of a blind, three-legged puppy. Until next time, see you around.